I love that song. You know, I said this before, and so for a lot of you, this is not new information. But when you go back into the Hebrew, when God breathed life into Adam, it was God's breath, right? God breathed the life into Adam. And that breath is called ruach. So you can all learn a Hebrew word, ruach. We've done this before. You can learn that word. And that is literally the breath of God. But what it translates to in other places is the spirit. And we're going to talk about words today and how important words are because words cause actions. Words cause belief. And so what is the breath that is in your lungs? That song just brings that front and center. What is the breath that is in your lungs? If it is God's breath in your lungs, you are going to speak the things of God. It's the, if it's the breath and the, the air of the world, you're going to speak things of the world. And I, I just I love that song. Uh, if you have your Bibles with or if you have an Acts journal, if you don't, we've still got some. Uh, Acts journals, we're on page 16. We're chapter 6, the book of Acts, starting in the 8th verse. I'm going to read it, and then uh, we're going to talk about this one. This is an interesting one. This is a, a, a challenging passage this morning because we step into this section of the book of Acts that we think is all wrong. It, it doesn't work in our world. It isn't fair. And you're going to meet a guy that would just be so easy to fall in love with, but the time that we get to know him is so short. So Acts chapter 6, verse 8. And Stephen, Stephen is one of the uh, people who was chosen to be an elder here a little bit ago. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, and the Cyrenians and of the Alexandrians and those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up. And disputed with Stephen. But they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. When they secretly instigated men who said, We have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. And they stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. And they came upon him and seized him and brought him before the council. And they set up false witnesses who said, This man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. For we have heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. And gazing at him, all who sat in the council saw that his face was like the face of an angel. It's a little awkward being a very regular guy named Stephen talking about this incredible man of faith named Stephen in the Bible. And I think I wish I was more like him. We don't get to know very much of him, but, but his attributes, the thing that Luke chooses to tell us about, what an incredible guy. I wish that I had a heart more like this Stephen. I wish that my countenance was more like this Stephen. I wish that my patience was more like this Stephen. We don't get to know very much, but the little bit that Luke shares, he is an incredible man. I admire the little bit that we get to read about. And so I realize as the guy, Steve, is talking about the man in the Bible, Stephen, boy, there, there is an awful lot that I can learn and how I can grow looking at him. And as we read about him today, just kind of run a side-by-side comparison to the little bit that we learn about him and how you would line yourself up and what maybe you can do in your life, your, your behavior, your attitude, what you say and what you don't say, to be a little more like Stephen. He'd be a really good example for all of us, men or women, to follow. So what we're about to see is a two-way street, and it's the first one that the Christian church has faced quite like this. And we're going to find out that words, our words, have consequences. And we need to realize that. That's why I started with, what is the breath that is in your lungs? 
Are you using the air in your lungs to speak the things of God and to speak life into the world and into people? Or are you using the air that you have in your lungs to speak in anger and divisiveness and division? What is it that you're talking about? We're going to find out the power of words. Acts 6, verse 8. And Stephen, full of grace and power, was doing great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen was a deacon. He'd just been selected as one of the seven. And their job was to care for the widows. Remember the first fight that broke out? And and it was a real disagreement because some of the, the people thought, well, you're feeding the other widows better than you're feeding our widows. And it was almost like they were they were saying that you've created a division that we're not the same. And so what the apostles did is they decided to choose seven men Strung among the church, and the church was huge. Stephen was one of those seven men, but he was just a normal guy. He wasn't an apostle. He wasn't a pastor. He was just a normal guy. But Luke describes him as full of grace and power. That's kind of cool because the name Stephen means crown. And I have to think, and this is just my way of, of looking at the world, what would Stephen have done if he'd been able to live out his days? We're going to meet a guy today that's just an incredible person. And we're going to find out next week that these words that got spoken did him in. But his name is Crown, and we talk about, means Crown rather, and we talk about how he's described full of grace and power. And I think, what would his life have looked like? See, he was the first deacon. He was a miracle worker, even though he was just a normal person. He was Holy Spirit-filled, and he was the first man to be martyred or to die for his faith in Jesus. We'll find that out next week. This guy was incredible. And part of what Luke tells us, and it's almost as an afterthought, that he did signs and wonders. The miracles had moved from the apostles to normal people like you and I, like Stephen, who were now doing miracles among the people. That was how great his faith was. But the thing that's encouraging to me If God can use Stephen to do miracles, God can use you and I. And when I say look at him and look at the description that we have to be more like him, I have to believe that's the kind of people that God wants to choose to make that kind of a difference. But here's the thing we got to be clear on is we're talking about power here, right? Because Stephen had a tremendous amount of power that he was showing among the people. But all of the power comes from and belongs to the Holy Spirit. It isn't Stephen, the man, that's doing great things. It's the man named Stephen who's filled with the Holy Spirit who's doing great things. And as a Christian, we need to be clear that any real power that we possess in the world, anything that we claim, can only come from what the Holy Spirit allows us, that the Holy Spirit gives to us. Power in the Bible is nothing at all like power the way the world sees it. We think that if we position ourselves right and do the right things and maybe strong arm a little bit, we can, we can assume a place of power. I was in a church once and a husband was very mad at me. He came and told me that his wife had spent 13 years climbing the ladder of this church and she deserved more power than she was getting. And I said, well, I, I don't hand out power. I don't have any power. All of the power belongs to God. After 13 years, it should belong to my wife. And he meant it. And that's kind of what we've done in the church is we've decided some people get the power and some people don't. And I'm amazed and disgusted by Christians who, who say that, that it's their place to, to control or to direct or to, to influence or manipulate or coerce people into anything at all as though that's actually coming from God because it doesn't. 
Those things are not fruits of the Holy Spirit. They're, those don't come from as gifts from God. And yet we see it all the time, even in the church. Those things are perversions of the Holy Spirit, which is what we see so much of from the wrong people in the Bible. We need to make sure that when we do those things that are not of God, when it's us breathing out the wrong words and the wrong attitudes, that comes from our pride and our ego and our arrogance. And yet here's this Stephen, this man who's living filled with the Holy Spirit's power, and he's preaching and he's doing miracles. He is unashamedly running around talking about Jesus. And it's upsetting people. And so it makes me wonder. I, I, you hear me ask this question a lot. What do people say about us? Are they those people that go to that church and they, they must be doing something there? God must be doing something there because, wow, there's, a, there's a, a theme among them. We should all be Holy Spirit-filled people who are, who are preaching Jesus out in the world in the things that we say and the things that we do. Stephen was that guy and the world needs more men and women like Stephen. I can't imagine that there's any Christian who's ever lived that wouldn't like to be described the way that Luke describes Stephen. Talk about a life goal. To be spoken of in the words that Luke uses to describe Stephen to us, and then to die, and in his case, way too soon, and go to heaven and be able to hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. That's a goal. Verse 9, Then some of those who belonged to the synagogue of the freedmen, as it was called, uh, more than likely those were slaves who had bought or earned their freedom, and of the Cyrenians and the Alexandrians and of those from Cilicia and Asia, rose up and disputed with Stephen. It's important here that we realize Stephen is preaching in the temple. A lot of where he's doing the talking is where the apostles were, and that's in the temple, and they're going around town. But these five groups of people from five different parts of the world all are there representing their home church. These are believers. These are faithful religious people. More than likely, they were Jews who had been scattered uh, because of the Romans. They'd been scattered out into different parts of the world, and they held on to their Jewish faith for all they were worth. And now they're back, and they're hearing Stephen talk, and they're being bothered by it. See, they've been very zealous in pursuing the religion that they thought that they understood God wanted of them. They weren't interested in hearing about this Jesus, the Savior who died for their sins and to give them a new life. That was not a part of their religion. And so the reason they were angry with Stephen was because he was preaching something different than what they stood for. And I have to wonder, what does that say about us as Christians? So often we pick and choose and even fight with each other based on what we want to hear and what we want to believe, not on what God's Word tells us. So when you come to church... What are you interested in hearing? Are you interested in hearing that you're always right no matter what you do? Are you interested in hearing that, that however you want to do that, it's okay, God loves everybody? Or are you interested in hearing the truth of Jesus and what it is that God wants us to know from his word? I find it interesting when people complain about their church. They complain about their pastor. They complain about people in the church. They complain about the worship team. They complain the church does or doesn't do this or that or the other thing. And, and the same people, there's hardly any good that comes from them. You don't hear compliments. There's not things that they, they say good about other people. You don't want to be one of those. But here's the thing. There's also people who just can't stop saying good things, even if there's things they're not thrilled about. So what are you saying? Because what you're talking about, people are listening. Are you speaking life or are you speaking division? It's all about what are you using the air in your lungs to put out into the world? 
Five different churches are represented, and they all choose to pick a fight with Stephen because Stephen is talking about Jesus. They didn't like that. It went against their religion. Verse 12, but they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he is speaking. This is so cool. These people come to pick a fight, and there's a bunch of them because he's in front of the council, and there's people from all over the place, plus the very religious folks from these five churches, and they all choose to dispute what he's saying about Jesus. And the Bible says, Luke records, they could not withstand the wisdom and the spirit with which he was speaking. Here's the thing. When we're living and talking for Jesus, whether people want to hear it or not, God will take care of any and all opposition that someone might bring against us. No matter what they say and no matter how much it hurts. No matter what they might say to you or about you. God will always be out in front and take care of it. See, the world expects us to fight. The world expects us to argue and to disagree and to to go into all kinds of things to defend ourselves. But God doesn't need us to defend him. God just needs us to tell the truth about him. And so they're expecting Stephen to fight back, but he didn't need to. All they needed to do was to speak for Jesus. And Stephen was passionate about that. Sometimes, though, the world isn't okay with Christians who won't fight back. Sometimes the world wants to provoke a fight. They want to pick a fight. They, They want to pick apart something you believe or something you stand for, the church that you go to or the friends that you have or the things that you won't do. And when you won't fight with them, they just keep pushing. And then they go from fighting to fighting unfairly. And you know this is true. If you've ever had that thrown at you, it is no fun. So what can you do? You you basically just have to stand back and be quiet and trust that God's going to take care of it. So in verse 11, this is what they do to Stephen. They secretly instigated men who said, we have heard him speak blasphemous words against Moses and God. They talk people into spreading untrue gossip about Stephen in order to end his ministry. When you talk blasphemy, uh, that's what got Jesus hung on a cross. When you talk blasphemy against Moses and against God, that's getting at the very heart of their religion. If you can get people to testify to that, they know that even if they have to lie in public, they can destroy his ministry and he has to stop talking about Jesus. The blasphemy charge is enough for a death sentence. And so what do they do? They don't worry about what's true. They worry about getting the result that they want with the power they think they have. Because people who seek power, whether it's in in information or position or something else, they don't give a second thought. There's destroying somebody else's reputation. They don't give a second thought to what's true in pursuit of the power that they're after. I bet you know somebody like that. I bet you've been run into somebody like that. A lot of us have run into someone like that in church. People who just don't seem to care about anything but their version of religion. And they don't care who they hurt in the process of chasing it. But it's kind of like Satan who thought that he'd beat Jesus at the cross. The victory these folks win is short-lived. Satan thought he had beat Jesus when Jesus died on a cross and God proved him wrong on that resurrection Sunday morning. Just like these folks that maybe were quiet when they're throwing the garbage at us. It isn't going to take long before God shows them what's true. So verse 12, they're not done. They stirred up the people and the elders and the scribes. They went into the church. They went to the guys that that had the job of rewriting the, the scriptures. And they came upon him and they seized him and they brought him before the council. If you can't win an argument on truth, then why not stir up some public gossip? Why not throw in some salacious lies and then sick the bullies on the person, right? That's what they did to Stephen. They pulled out all the stops to take him down. 
Sadly, it's one of the oldest plays in the playbook, and people still do it every day, and, and they think that they're not being seen for what they are. 2,000 years old. And all too often, it still happens in the church today. Verse 13, they set up false witnesses who said, this man never ceases to speak words against this holy place and the law. He never ceases to speak against this holy place and the law. He isn't speaking against anything. He's speaking for Jesus. And when people get angry with you, are they getting angry that you're saying something about your relationship with Jesus that they don't know, that they don't have that relationship with him? Or do they get angry because what you're saying isn't true? Stephen was speaking the truth. There isn't much better that you can do to destroy them, someone than to have lies to convince people to knowingly and willingly lie on your behalf. That's exactly what happened to him. What did he do wrong? Absolutely nothing. Like Jesus before him, he just simply told the truth of God. He preached salvation in Jesus and he performed miracles that healed and helped people. And the religious people of his day couldn't stand it. The ones that were entrenched in their tradition couldn't stand it. They went on in verse 14 said, For we have heard that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place, the temple, and will change the customs that Moses delivered to us. There's a shred of truth in that. Jesus said, yep, it's going to get knocked down. The temple's going to get destroyed. He didn't say he'd destroy it. Jesus actually did say some of these. Peter, or Stephen rather, would have said some of them as well. And there's nothing that makes gossip even more interesting than to throw a little bit of a lie, or with a big lie, a little bit of truth, a tiny tidbit of truth thrown in for reference. People do this all the time. They take a tiny tidbit of truth about somebody, and they sprinkle in a huge amount of gossip and lies, and all you need to do is to get people to believe in it and to spread it, and suddenly everyone turns on that poor person, and that's what's happening to Stephen. It didn't matter that it wasn't true. There were so many people saying it that they believed that it became true. And our words give way to action. You may not think all the way through the result of what you say and what it might do, but every time we speak against God or one of God's people, one a brother or a sister in church, when we do that, there are going to be actions that follow from that. And so Stephen, this man filled with grace and the Holy Spirit, what does he do through all this? Verse 15, And gazing at him, all who sat in the council, and this would have been a huge group of people, saw that his face was like the face of an angel. Now, I don't know about you, but I've had people say some very unpleasant things about me, unkind things, untrue things. I don't know that my face always looks like the face of an angel. In fact, I get angry. Now I want to strike back. I want to set the record straight. I want to go, I never said anything about you. I never, I never told anybody anything that wasn't true. And there's something that rises up in me that wants to defend myself. And I want to be more like Stephen. His face was like the face of an angel. He sat quietly in front of all of them when all of these lies were being told. And his face looked like the face of an angel. I have met people in my life who were like this. I've met people who were so filled with a calm and a peace that I didn't even understand. And they had the face of an angel. You, you know people like this. Thank you very much. You know people like this. They have a face of an angel despite what people are saying and, and despite the circumstances around them. And there's a common thread with all of them. They're all filled with Jesus. And I wonder in those moments when I burr up inside and I get frustrated or angry, that's not Jesus coming through. That's Steve coming through. 
And those people who have the face of an angel, no matter what's being said, are all filled with the love for Jesus. And then I've met people whose eyes, <coughs> excuse me, I don't particularly like the sound of my voice to begin with. Right now, not at all. Uh, whose eyes are positively filled with anger and evil and malice and division. And they might claim to be full of Jesus, but you know just by looking at them, they're not. And the truth of their lives shows that they're not. But here's the deal. You and I have the opportunity every day to decide which one we're going to be. Are we going to be the ones that are so full of Jesus that no matter what is said, we're going to look like the face of an angel? Or are we going to look like the face of someone who wants to fight back? Every day we get to make that decision. The world needs more men and women like Stephen. So folks, if you believe that this 2,000-year-old book (coughs) that we've built our church on, oh, here we go again. Excuse me. So here's what's going on. I don't know about some of you, but I'm dealing with allergies this year like I haven't dealt with in a long time. So I take two different allergy medicines so I can talk and not sound like I'm all congested and everything, worried that I've got the COVID because you're never worried he's got the COVID up there sniffling. So I take all these allergy meds on a Sunday morning, <clears throat> and then that happens. My throat dries up, so whew, bear with me. Temperature just turned up. If you wonder why it is, that we base this church on this 2,000-year-old book, it's because of passages like this. It's because of people like Stephen. It's because you can relate to what he's going through. You have had people who have done to you in ways small or large that are exactly like the things that these people are doing to Stephen. Why do we stick to this book? Because it's true. It's as relevant today, 2,000 years later, as the day that it was written. That's why we say that every Sunday morning. Our church does some things differently than other churches do. And there's some people that don't like that at all. But, you know, we do those things because we want to be consistent with Scripture. We, we don't want to be consistent and bow to the wants and the demands and the pe- opinions of people. That isn't necessarily what God is calling us to. So if you've ever had someone tell lies about you, you're in good company because so did Stephen. If you've ever had someone twist your words to make themselves look better, you're in good company because so did Stephen. Have you ever had someone take a shred of truth about you and turn it into a massive and destructive lie, and then on top of that, turn you into the gossip of the town, you know what? You're in good company, because Stephen did too. Have you ever had someone try to destroy your reputation in order to protect or move themselves forward? Stephen did too. That's why we stick to this book, because the words in there today are as true as when this story was first written 2,000 years ago. The man Stephen is someone that we can all relate to. But here's where our hope lies, that God has equipped his children, all of those who follow him, with ways to rise above all of this stuff and still bring the glory to him. We can get through Satan's attack and we can get through these situations that we might find ourselves in because we don't walk alone. We know whose we are and we know where we're going. That's part of what we just celebrated in communion. We know whose we are and we know where we're going and we know why. And when we understand and and accept and believe those things, suddenly our face can be a lot more like the face of an angel when we're going through it. And so be bold in your faith. The world needs more men and women like Stephen. 
Be courageous in your testimony of Jesus at work in your life because the world needs, needs more men and women like Stephen. Be calm and silent in the face of lies and gossip and persecution you might be facing doing work for the kingdom of God because the world needs more men and women like Stephen. People can be disappointing. You don't have to look very far to realize that. But you don't have to be one of the disappointing people. People can be horribly cruel, but you don't have to be one of the cruel people. God is gracious. God is loving. God is always for us when we are for him. So if you want to live as more of a Christian and you want an example for how to do that, go to your Bible, do some reading. The book of Acts has it covered in Luke. Read about the person, the character of Stephen. Because the world needs more men and women who are like Stephen. He was a man that God called into a mission. He gave him a ministry. And Stephen was a part of giving birth to a movement that we're still a part of today. Now, in my mind, in the way that things work in the world, it isn't fair what we run into next week with Stephen. It isn't fair that that happened because he didn't deserve it. But sometimes things that aren't fair do happen, even to good people. But that doesn't mean we shouldn't still work to be good people. So if you want to know how it is that you can be more like Jesus, if you want to know how it is that you can live more as a disciple of his, get into your Bible and read a little bit about Stephen here in the early part of the book of Acts. Take the words that Luke uses to describe who he is and say, you know what, God, with some help, I can do more of that. Because the world needs more men and women like Stephen. Let's pray. God, thank you for this passage about Stephen. Thank you for Luke who chose to to tell us about him in such a powerful way. God, thank you that we have people all around us who can be Stephens to us, who are examples of how to live so full of Jesus. But then, God, there's, for most of us, there's days that we don't feel like that person at all. We're the one that wants to get angry. We're the one that wants to fight back. But that's not the example that you give us. So, God, help us. And Jesus, through your Holy Spirit to be men and women who are more like Stephen, who no matter what we're facing, no matter what people are saying, that we look to you as our hope, we look to you as our help, and that we just worry about being like this man who is filled with wisdom and the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. I really do mean it when I say the world needs more men and women like Stephen. He was full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit. What more great thing could be said about a follower of Jesus that they were full of wisdom and the Holy Spirit? You want to go back and read more about him. You want to take a look at if you can be more like him. He was an awesome guy. We're going to find out where he goes next week. And that's not the best part of the story, but God is up to something and we get to be a part of it. Thanks for coming, folks. Have a great week.